And then they're going to eat me. Hello, Bartek. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Good. How are you listening, people? What an answer. What an answer. We gave you time to respond. I'm doing well, too. So, we are here, Bartek, being being spitting. Being spitting. Being the spitting image of Polish society. And and what's... Current Polish society? No, just Polish society in general. <laughs> What's Polish society to you? If you just if you could describe it in one word, what would it be? Um, oh, one word. Yeah, uh, just one. I was gonna give one sentence. You know what the bold answer would be? You say just any Polish word, and I'll take your <laughs> word for it. Schlima. Of course, that's they the only way. <laughs> <laughs> they are slow. Polish society. Ooh. Um, fighter. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've, I've been told. My mum <laughs> describes it as basically when they don't have someone to fight, they fight with each other. Okay, okay. Uh, you know who are fighters as well? Italians. And that reminds me of a little film we're going to be talking today on our show, Pictures Power, the show in which we talk about movies that have come recommended. Bartek, you're the one who recommended a little movie today, a little, yeah. a little gem, a little, little diamond in the rough. Made by some fun-loving Italians in America, though. Yeah, t- Italians, they're very, you know, charming and upbeat, so they make a charming, upbeat They film. gave us so... They've given us so many cultural, iconic things. Spaghetti and meatballs. The spaghetti westerns. I was gonna say, yeah. Um, spaghetti. The meatball so, westerns. <laughs> meatball westerns. It's when it's a western, but with Mario. They give us meatballs with Bill Murray. Like, everything's here, you know? It's all going on. Mm-hmm. So, what was the film? The film that I have picked is the 1990 Italian film Troll 2. Yeah, Italian film. American <laughs> film. Italian film. It's all joined together. Troll 2. I think we don't really need to give you the, hey guys... Watch Troll 2, because we're going to spoil it kind of thing, because if you're here, sitting here listening to two people on a podcast talk about Troll 2, you are probably familiar with it enough to want to listen to people talk about it. This is one of the best, worst movies ever made. Yeah. It's a given that we say, watch it. Not just because we will talk about details, but just watch it. It's funny. Get a group of people together in whatever capacity you are allowed to wherever you are, and give it a watch. It is a joy to behold. Yeah, and this isn't the type of film where spoilers is really a thing. Except for the bologna sandwich thing. Except except for that, yeah. But I mean, um, that's a real twist. It is a real... Well, it's a real shock. It's a shock to me. Yes. It, it's a film where the joy of watching it is the thing that we are recommending, not so much the story. Oh, but we have stories of but our there is, own. But there is story. Oh, there is stories plural. behind the scene and our own stories of this movie. So, Troll 2, as stated, one of the best worst movies ever made. Uh, Bartek, could you give us all a little bit of background on Troll 2 to catch everyone up on this legendary film? Uh, yeah, where to begin? <laughs> so, Troll 2, one of the best worst movies ever made. It was made in 1990 in the United States. That's mm-hmm. the place where it was filmed. It was made by an Italian married couple. One mm-hmm. directed it, one was a producer who came up with the story idea. Yes. Um, 
should I get into that part or just like the film itself? Like... Well, well, what about the film is so bad that okay. it's good? And, and what to you about it has made it rise to the status it has in the landscape of these movies? Yep. So in, the 19, in 1990 or 89, whenever the film was going to be made, at that point, this Italian couple did not speak English. Mm. Um, but they, they were in the film industry. They made apparently some pretty good action and drama films before and after Troll 2. And they made, were they English films or just Italian? I believe they were just Italian films. They also made other horror movies too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like Troll at some 2. Point, <laughs> at some point. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure they have one, I, I can't remember, but they have one that's like something stalker, I want to say, or is it just stalker? I can't remember. But there's another one they have that's apparently also very bad. It's funny. Okay. That's I think an English movie, another English speaking movie. So these guys, they do, they they have made films before. This isn't Tommy Wiseau yeah. where they've come out of nowhere. They have made films and they have made good films or at least competent films, from what I understand. Yes. Um, I can't remember the wife's name, but the man is Claudio Fragasso. <laughs> Um, and basically the wife who I'm very sorry that I can't remember her name. She had some friends at this time who Mm. decided to go vegetarian Uh and she had a very passionate response to that, to the point that it inspired them to make a film about that where the villains are vegetarians. Well, because they were so pretentious about it. Like most people who transition into vegetarianism or veganism out of nowhere, there is this moral superiority complex about it. Like, I'm doing this great thing and people who eat meat are monsters. And I think she was very annoyed yeah. by that whole attitude and just was... vegetarianism in general just was pissing her off. And she's like, wouldn't that's, it be that's funny? That's the phrase. Yeah, apparently she's quoted as saying that it pissed her off. And she just said, fuck it, I'm going to make a movie about how vegetarians <laughs> suck and it's going to be a monster movie. Because another thing is, it's called Troll 2. Yeah. So obviously this is connected to a film called Troll, right? There is a film called Troll. So this is a follow-up to that, right? In the sense that they bought a mask that was used in that film and they brought it over to this one. Oh, but they're all trolls, right? Well, the original title of the film was Goblin because they are goblins. <laughs> this is their kingdom. But, yes, but when they when they changed the title to Troll 2, obviously they didn't make them trolls. They just kept them as goblins. And that's a part of the charm and legacy of this film too is that we have to take into account is another reason that this has been seen so widely as well is it grabbed onto a previous project that was a minor cult hit. Like, it wasn't anything huge, but it had some names in it. Like, it had Sonny from Sonny and Cher. He was in that movie, right? And it had... I know Julia Louise-Dreyfus was in it. That was pre-Seinfeld. There were little things about that first troll, which I have actually seen, and I remembered enjoying that film. So there was a little bit of... This had a minor cult status, and they grabbed onto it by stealing the title and making people believe that this was some kind of follow-up because also you gotta remember this is post gremlin so there was all of these type of movies there was there was the critters movies there were the the hobgoblin there was all these little puppet creature little monster movie where they're all teeth and they're all num 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 and those were very popular around this time and very popular for the straight to video market as well which mm-hmm. Uh, was Troll 2 a straight-to-video thing? Uh, I think or was it, it in theatres? Because, God was, forbid. I think it was in theatres, but it wasn't 
widespread release because I think there are a lot of blockbusters that year or something. So this was in that ballpark of all these movies. And it was a B, B movie. Yeah, it was one of these B movies. And it couldn't stand on its own as Goblin, right? Or Goblins. They had to take Troll and turn it into this just by just putting the title on. None of the details matter. This mask, I don't even remember which mask it is. It, it was the one that doesn't look like the rest, I think. <laughs> the one that actually had eyes. I, I think it was that one. <laughs> okay. And that's a part of why this film has been seen by so many people, because it did trick people. It tricked people into seeing it, and that's another smothering onto the badness of this movie, because... I saw the first Troll movie, and it came in a double pack with Troll and Troll 2. And this is my history with the movie. Mm -hmm. I saw the first Troll. This was in the era where DVDs just came out. My parents are buying all these DVDs, and they were all shit or great or not. And they were getting stuff like the Ghoulies movies. Like Ghoulies and Ghoulies 2 and Ghoulies go back to school. Like... They were getting all these, and the Troll movies were here, and we, we all quite enjoyed Troll 1. It's not the greatest film ever made, but it has some really weird, interesting fantasy ideas, because that's more of a fantasy movie set in an apartment. Yeah, I remember, I've seen a review of it that showed video, so I have vague ideas of what it looked like. And it was creative. It, like, it may not be the best film, but it had some creativity put to it. And then we watched Troll 2, and I remember so vividly... We stopped watching it as soon as that kid, as the main kid, got thrown a baseball that said, we'll <laughs> eat you, or like, whatever, like, we'll eat you, or whatever it is. And then we turned it off because we were so annoyed, and it was really bad. And we didn't know that this was a so bad, it's good movie. We just thought, oh, well, they fucking ripped us off on the troll thing. This is just some other fucking stupid movie. And it made us annoyed with the movie. And I think that's a layer of what I like about it when I think about the good-bad factor is. Because many people just kind of skim over that aspect of... Yeah, this was actually in your past at some point. Yes, this was actually in my past. And I think in the legacy of that of this, that's a part of that that doesn't get talked about as much. Because we all want to talk about the acting, the directing, the, the, the whole Italian aspect of it. But really... Uh, a great part of my amusement, and I think that it really is there, is the fact that they just mismarketed this movie on purpose to lure innocent people in to see their shitty movie. Mm -hmm. And that's very common, especially back, back in this era. I mean, remember all of those movies that are like The Lady Terminator? And now we have the Asylum movies where there's a like Transmorphers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this, this is in that early era of doing that. Well, that's a very unique history because I think for most people these days, it's a bit more like mine. Which is? Which is the fact that this is a cult classic film that has been talked about so much and that's kind of what led me mm. to want to see it. So I remember late 2000s, I think, I started getting into watching people on the internet who like reviewed mm. movies mm. who mainly the people on like Channel Awesome, they focused on like bad movies. Like, oh, mm. let's make fun of these bad movies. And some of the ones would talk about um, lower-budget films that not everyone necessarily knew about. And Troll 2 was always, like, a recurring one that some of them would do. It's like, this is one of the worst bad movies ever. Mm. Um, so even though I didn't necessarily remember all the details of what Troll 2 was, I always remember, like, that name comes up a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And eventually I just reached the point where I'm like, well, I should, I should watch the film myself because it seems like it's a really good time. Yeah. Um, and I think at this point the only really you know so bad it's good film i had seen was like the room mm, which you know mm. that's one of the great ones i think 
the room and troll two are like two of the ones that people they're royalty there. they're the royalty. they're the king and queen of of the of genre the so bad it's good yeah um with the room i watched it with a group of people and that was a lot of fun with yeah. troll two my first viewing was alone <laughs> and it didn't really work out so well like i could tell it was a bad movie mm. but i wasn't really getting much enjoyment out of it it was only when i watched it again with a friend who i think it might have been our buddy reese yeah. Um, that I actually started like getting into it, and then at that point, I showed it to a few more people, and yeah. that's really how my love for the film grew. And it got to the point now where I've watched it la- this morning, um, first time since the first viewing alone, and I've laughed the whole way through. I remember we watched it with a group of friends, yeah. and it was a very funny experience because most of them didn't know about Troll Two except for the uh, the iconic "Oh my God" scene. That that scene has, out of all of it, has definitely transcended beyond just the movie that has gone to like uh, god status that, of yeah, that's funny. A hugely seen memetic scene, and yeah, I am different. I I I saw this not knowing that, and I did not revisit this film until probably when we were at university because I also had that effect of people talked about, like, this is this funny film. And I was like, I saw that and it was just bad. Well, you didn't get up to the, oh my God. (laughs) No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But what I did see was bad. And so at some point I did check it out. I can't remember when I, what my experience was fully checking the film out, watching it with a group or just on my own, but I definitely watched it and I, and I saw it for the glory that it is because everything, pretty much everything is wrong Except for, I would say, if we're going to d- measure dicks here of of uh, this and the room, and maybe you'll disagree, but I think on a technical aspect, like the film, like the look of it, mm-hmm. I think it's far more competent than the room. There are no shots that I remember being out of focus for whole scenes That's like the room. Point. And it's yeah. like, there's obviously bad technical aspects, of course, but I think visually the film goes for like artistically it tries to push harder than the room ever does in its uh in its visual presentation this one actually has interesting shots and if Mm. you if you just strip away like with garth Marenghi's dark place if you just strip away the silliness and see it for the weird image that it is it can actually be striking in some ways and that's just to give a minor praise to it because obviously we're going to talk about how shitty it is (laughs) and how funny it is but to give some minor genuine praise especially in this plethora of these good bad movies of ones especially of this budget uh, and the room probably had a bigger budget than this, probably. It depends on what Tommy has in the bank. <laughs> and visually, it, it looks all right. Like it's it's colorful. It's it's it, they always choose good times of day to film it in, and it it, it is striking visually. Uh, even though it's shitty, and there's going to be things we'll talk about that go against what I just said. For these type of movies, it's not like Neil Breen's movies where you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, visually, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, sure, the go- goblins, gotta remember they're goblins, yep. look stupid and they're never threatening. But there is something just really odd and weird visually about them making people into slimy goo and then just rubbing it all over their mouths. There's something weird about it. Well... Mm. With the room visually, there's nothing 
like that that's genuinely like ooh that's kind of odd or like that's interesting it's just kind of like why the fuck well, we see is Tommy's this a- we see Tommy Wiseau's ass at some point yeah he's back of his ball sack yeah <laughs> <laughs> the scariest image I've ever seen is his body yeah uh, but yeah, the this this the troll two was always one that I think I prefer out of out of these good bad movies because they're specifically trying to go for a genre piece, mm-hmm. and usually for me the so bad it's good ones the funniest ones are like the room where they try to go for just a drama and it fails, but this one's trying to be a weird fantastical horror movie (laughs) and i appreciate the balls on them to try and aim that high Mm. and fall so far because really the room all you had to do was just film scenes in a house in a room that's all he needed to do yet like that's not the most lofty ambitions and yet he still fucked up and that's amazing in itself but i really do appreciate troll 2 actually trying and creating a mythos and a world and none of it makes sense but they tried (laughs) they tried at least you know like they aimed high and fell so far Mm -hmm. and to me it's always one of my favorites i i I think i do prefer it over the room because also it it doesn't make my eyes tired and there's less scenes that i feel like i want to skip what i'm saying is there's no hideous awkward sex scenes like the room has like this one has funny sex scenes that i think are supposed to be funny like the the popcorn scene i think that is supposed to be funny i what else could it be really well the room that's four i i want to skip all of them they're all horrible and slow down the pace the worst part is that the first two are really really close together and reuse footage for other ones (laughs) and like this to me works better because it's pacing wise a lot better to me than the room or neil breen movie or cool cat or love on a leash this one is to me the most well paced of the movies and you and it has the best structure of a film. This one has a structure of a movie. Yeah, there's always like a development or like information being given, I guess. It doesn't feel like I'm watching the film going Where are we going? What's happening? We're going to Nilbog. We're going to Nilbog. Like I go what's happening in different ways. Like what what's happening with the fucking milk? Like what's the, like those details, but I don't watch the film and go like with the room where you're just kinda like here we are, it's the same scene again, 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 and again, and again, because they have to make it just 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, what about you? You you said you're a big fan of Troll 2. Where where does this stack up in your So Bad It's Good? I think it it's definitely up there with The Room. I don't know which one I like more. I've always said The Room, just because I think Tommy was so... He's just a really wacky... Character? Um, wacky man and a wacky character i think i feel like his presence as the guiding force of this film is a lot more well known than you know this one the director isn't on screen or anything like that we do love that's another thing about good bad movies they're pure gold if you have the lead actor also be the writer director editor like what i'm saying is neil breed and tommy Wiseau are the kings of that genre of good bad <laughs> movies and i think neil breed's better than tommy because I don't know any. I don't know what Neil Breen is. Like, I know what Tommy is. Like, I, you, we know stuff about Tommy, but Neil Breen, I don't know what, what the f- like. And he's sincere. Like, I don't know. Like, I think t- Tommy, Tommy just forgot about being sincere, and it's just a hack. 
Yep. So, but obviously, one of the main things that a lot of people can draw from this film is the dialogue. Yes. There are. You could probably point out, like you know, at least half a dozen to a dozen of the really well-known line lines. Like, if you haven't seen the film, you can definitely pick out a few. Like, you know, the "Oh my god, yeah, they're yeah. eating her. They're gonna eat me." Um, or, or little moments of visual things. But really, when you watch the film in its entirety. Just every, almost every single line, there's just something about it that feels really weird. And it goes back to the production thing. Like, why do we keep emphasizing that the Italians made this film that's set in America? It's because the script, if you read the trivia, was written entirely in Italian, translated mm. to English, and only one person in the entire crew <laughs> could speak English properly to translate for the director to the cast because it wasn't the director it was the costume designer and and they refused to let the actors improve the dialogue it was no 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 you got to say it how it is because it's perfect my wife wrote it <laughs> <laughs> like that's always the thing yeah. you got to remember is there is a this is the behind the scenes of this reminds me very much of the super mario brothers movie where in that mm -hmm. movie's behind the scenes i think they had a husband and wife producer team or something that was very similar it was like you can't fucking change this because my wife will be very oh, upset <laughs> about this i want to say it's something like that yeah, that's on our list so we'll do it eventually like right? bob hoskins like i nearly fucking died because these stupid couple didn't know what the fuck they were oh, doing there was something like i have heard something like that yeah and that's what i love about Troll 2 as well is just thinking about this this very very mean italian director man being so annoyed that these stupid english speaking americans who are his cast that speak the language are wanting to improve the film because they speak the the language and he's like fucking assholes my wife wrote this it's perfect <laughs> and just as a little bit of an extra fun fact the uh the cast for this film auditioned uh, they went to a casting call they thought they were going to be extras yes and, and this, they got leads yeah this film doesn't really have that many like minor roles no they're pretty much main and secondary so all these people that wanted to be extras got you know relatively dialogue heavy things Yes, and this is also another reason I love Troll 2, because there is a definite reason, and sometimes it's nice to have the blanket of mystery of why are things so fucking weird, mm -hmm. like with Tommy Wiseau and, and with Neil Breen and, and, and Derek Savage, all of these creators, like, what the fuck's going on? But I like sometimes with them, the blanket doesn't exist. We know why the dialogue is like this. It's because it's written in Italian and translated to English poorly. That's the reason. It isn't like Neil Breen, who is an American, speaks English, and yet his characters speak like they're written from an alien. Yeah. And that's amusing in itself. Well, the guy who did Birdemic, where it's the same thing, yeah, right? James where, where he's like, his characters speak like... They're nothing but promos for something. They're really wooden, yeah. <laughs> well, well, this doesn't it feel nice with the, the like with all these movies that this one there is answers to a lot of these and they all make sense and they don't remove the joy that you get from watching it still because you could say well knowing all the answers of why it's bad removes the awe around it but to me it improves it with Troll Two. What about you? What do you think about no, that? I, I definitely agree. Just knowing what is up with this film doesn't ruin the enjoyment of watching it. Like I said, 
there's always going to be at least like a half a dozen to a dozen things that you'll always remember and you'll always quote. You know, like, Goblin, it's Nilbog spelled backwards. This is their kingdom. Or, this oh is my their God. kingdom. <laughs> but really, just when you watch the film, that type of thing is just all throughout it. Like, the film begins with, like, the Metro Goldwyn Mayer, you know, lion. Then it just immediately cuts into well, the Well, the, the copy I had just starts. I didn't get the Metro okay. Goldwyn line. It just, just fucking kicks okay. in. Like, my, the music just kicks yeah. in and you're in the movie My now. copy is the lion then, at that point, immediately cuts to the middle <laughs> of the story. Grandpa Seth is like, and Peter ran from the goblins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thing. we got to talk about the dialogue we, properly. What has been your favourite little exchange or line overall like one you always go back to and what was one that struck you on this rewatch it's hard there is, that is so hard but there are there are just like many that i could point to like when um a lot of them are with the main character joshua like there's the part where um in the film he keeps seeing his dead grandfather he looks like Orson Welles. He looks like my year 12 media teacher, who I really liked, so that's always something I appreciate. Um, Maybe it's him. <laughs> I wish it was him. Uh, but there's there's the scene where Grandpa Seth has appeared to his sister, and his sister is the one freaking out this time. And uh, when she she's screaming, and the whole family is like slowly coming towards her, like, what's going on? What's going on? Joshua is like falling behind a little bit, so he's like coming out of his room and approaching them. Yeah, yeah. When, um, when she's like, I saw Grandpa Seth. And then just, like, once he gets there, he looks at the family and it's like, See, it wasn't me this time! <laughs> the line I go back to all the time is the one we already said, This is their kingdom! <laughs> <laughs> I've said that so many times out of nowhere in conversations. It's just something twigs, that like a word, just a singular word from that sentence can be kingdom. popped up. And I'll just go, This is their kingdom! <laughs> is the way he says it. Like with, like with It's like he's talking to someone. Mm-hmm. Well, but he's, he's not. He's talking to himself. There's a lot of really great context with that line. So, like, you know, he's with his father. The store is closed, so he just wanders off. He just goes straight to the car to look in the mirror, and he just, oh, Joshua does, yes, Joshua, yes, yes, because yes. the dad sits down to read the vegetable cookbook, and we get a nice zoom in <laughs> to let us know that that exists. Vegetarians, and then he falls asleep. So yeah, he just, he just walks away to the car, looks in the mirror, and that's when he happens to see Nilbog. It's goblin spelled backwards. This is their kingdom. But the great thing about that is all those points that he mentioned in the previous scene, Grandpa Seth said, said all of them. Well, yeah, but the thing is, it's that thing of, oh yeah, Grandpa Seth said this. He was right. Oh my God. Like, like it's that thing of, in this movie, yeah. there would be more scenes between. Yeah. So that way the audience had a, has had a little bit of time yeah, it was, and that way it could hit more, but it's just like it was one con- after yeah. the other. It was confirmation, but the way that the line was delivered made it seem less confirmation and more revelation. Well, yes, that's the thing. <laughs> and like I said, it makes it sound like he's talking to someone, not just talking aloud. Mm. Like the way it's delivered, it makes it feel like I'm saying it to you, not yeah. I'm saying it to myself. If, if we were there, literally, it would be like, you know, in a monologue, like, it's their kingdom. Yeah, or, like, even if it's not, like, an inner monologue in narration terms, but, yeah, he needs to say it a little less, like, he needed to... But he's a kid, so you can't pick on him, but I, I will, because he sucked. Um, uh, he was a bar- huge part of my enjoyment of this, so... What was the line that caught you on this rewatch that you just were like... Oh. <laughs> I know that this was one that you always brought up a lot, but it was just hearing the delivery of it, like... 
Who's eating you, little brother? (laughs) (laughs) Who's trying to eat you, little brother? Yeah, Yeah, I love that. I love her. She said it with a real southern accent out of nowhere. Like, she usually, for the rest of the movie, she's like, but in that one, she's like, You have to choose, Elliot. Me or your friends. Yeah, she says like cool cat. (laughs) (laughs) Both at the energy. But this one, well, she has energy. Don't you fucking lie. She has dance energy. She doesn't have cool cat energy. Nobody does. Not even Derek. Excitement, we'll say. But but she says that line like with a southern draw, like. Who's in your little brother? And she's also and it's so weird because she just comes in from yeah, the side. That's what I was going to say. Out she's out of frame at the beginning of that shot. Then she just comes in. <laughs> it's like a co- it's a comedy shot. <laughs> it's a comedy shot. My one that just I don't know why it broke me. It really broke me on this watch, and it's so insignificant in the grand picture of things. But it, it, it's so great at the beginning. Grandpa Seth's telling them, him this story, and then the mum comes in, and then he like holds his mouth, like "Oh no!" Like he was yeah. like Grandpa said, <laughs> and the wheelchair, the rocking chairs swing back and forth, and she has this whole conversation with like Grandpa Seth is dead. We all went to his funeral, and she like lays out the full thing, and she very clunkily tells us that it was her father, so yep. that we understand. But my absolutely cracked me was Joshua. You must banish him from your mind. Yes! yes. <laughs> He's such a dramatic... And, like, in this film, her what? eyes are always, like, super wide open. She, so looks, like a, she looks like a rodent. Like, um, her eyes are yeah. so, like, on. I, like I remember one of the video <laughs> reviews I watched... But I was like, you must banish him from your mind. <laughs> such a dramatic language, yeah. I remember... I can't remember which one, but one of the video reviews I watched for this film before I ever watched it myself, every time, like, she had her staring into the camera with her wide eyes thing they would play like creepy music just to yeah. highlight like this woman she she had a lot go- she has a, i don't know what she's up to now but she she's always had a lot going on evidently in her life she's she's got some stuff going on but i loved that it cracked me up because it's just so weirdly specific like you must banish him from your mind because it's feeding in that line feeds into to give it some credit even though it doesn't work and it's very silly it's feeding into this fantastical identity of the movie because we're hearing this fantastical and that kind of terminology you would hear in an old school medieval setting, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Bartek, you mustn't think these evil thoughts. You must banish them from your mind like a Conan the Barbarian yeah, setting. But say, this is set now, yeah, like in the, you'd the say, now. Like, you have to move on, like something more dramatic and like personal. Yeah, like if this was a time period piece or if this was way more overtly fantastical, that would make sense, that line. But since she's a suburban mum, who then, I absolutely adore this one too. She goes to sit next to the dad and she explains to him like, oh, Grandpa Seth. And then and then it's like, ah, whatever, he'll get over it. It's like, I, you know, kids have imaginary friends, not their grandpas or that. And then she just really scarily for no reason says, who are the goblins? Michael, who are the goblins? <laughs> and then he says, like, really, like, oh, no, he knows. Like, he responds, like, what? He knows about the goblins? He just goes, goblins? The goblins? It's like they know what they're, like, it's like he knows what the goblins are. But that doesn't make sense because Uncle Seth, uh, Grandpa Seth isn't his dad. Mm. So it would make sense if she knew what they were. But, like, the way it was done, it made it seem like he was aware of the goblins. It was like, he's bringing up the goblins? It was very odd. I always saw that as kind of like a, what does that word even mean kind of reaction. Well, his performance is, is hard to <laughs> hard to nail down, let's say at least. He's, he's, he is obsidian. He's just too much. The, the thing that, I, that caught me in that was, in the, in the scene with Joshua before that, 
she was very dismissive of the whole thing. Like, goblins aren't real. Grandpa mm. Seth is dead. You have to ba- not move on. Banish him from your mind. Banish him but then from your she, mind. But when she talks to her husband, then it's suddenly like, who are the goblins? Like, it actually, like, somewhat shook her. <laughs> I have to say, that whole beginning part of the movie, like, before they come, the, before they go on the trip... Is amazing. It, I found it more amazing this time than in previous... Uh, yeah, I've watched it because we watched it with a group, like I mentioned before, and you all you were mentioning it when we were watching it, like, oh, don't worry, guys, it gets much better when they arrive in Nilbog, and I'm like, oh, did I? Yeah, yeah, because okay. because it was like we had just we started the night off with that one because mm-hmm. I was like, this is kind of like the most light and fluffy one to put on. Then we yeah. can do the room. Then we could do Samurai Cop or whatever one I put on, right? It was Cool Cat, I think. Cool Cat! <laughs> and the Terminator 1991 remake, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And it is a little slow going at the beginning, but to me, it's the most cringy stuff is at the beginning. Like, yeah, we have the, the popcorn scene and the, you can't piss in hospitality, I won't allow it. But the cringier stuff is like the, what's eating your little brother? And just the dad being like, I wait half an hour and a half for your Romeo. Like all that stuff is just—it's so cringy because it is this foreign interpretation of the American nuclear family going on, mm. and it's just so awkward and forced and unexplainably yeah. weird. Like, and... like the whole boyfriend thing, like him and his friends. It's like it's an—it's a foreigner's interpretation of yeah. And the boy, he has all of his dudes, and he just likes hanging out with his dudes, and they just like hang and all of that stuff at the beginning is just so weird because we aren't understanding the context of what this movie is. But but by the time we get to Nilbog, we understand the context of what movie we're in by that point. We know what horror movies are like. Yeah. We know the beats of these type of things and it hits those beats and it's very obviously hitting them. You want to see the close up of Sheriff Freak? (laughs) Sheriff Gene Freak. (laughs) And, but at the beginning, you don't know what this movie is. And it's like, what is this? And like, why are they talking like this? Why is the boyfriend this? Why is the daughter exercising and her mother looks at her lovingly while she exercises? And it's just a shot of a massive camel toe in that outfit the daughter's <laughs> wearing. And she's all sweat. What's going on? I love the beginning because it is, it is the cringe humor of the movie the, to me. Yeah, the... And- Mainly all the dialogue. Like, I remember last week we were talking about how at the very beginning of Love Wedding Repeat, <laughs> um, a lot of the lines that the main character and the American girl were feeding to each other was like, oh, exposition. Every exposition, single line they're yes. saying is like establishing things. And this film has that like up to 10. Like, every <laughs> single line is feeding into the idea like, he was my father. He was he was a bit crazy. He was a great man. He was a great man. Um, but he's dead now. You must banish him from your mind. You must banish him from your mind. We and, like, see when... a psychologist. He said you must banish him from your mind. And the turn from, like, he's telling a story to the kid, obviously, uh, the, the kid being smart enough to realize, you're speaking in present tense. Like, what's up with that? And then he talks about how, like, this is real. This is real. And just, like, you know, the ideas of the film are being put out there and it's just so obvious that it's hilarious and they have funny things too like in the middle of the story he's telling joshua appears back to the camera to look at the main character then he turns to face the camera and like he's talking to grandpa seth i lost my mind at that there's um there's also like weird things that never come back in the movie like weird dreams that happen like joshua's like feeling sick and then like 
the ooze comes out of his head and the branches and none of that ever comes back in the movie. Like they just set it up randomly for the something's not going to be right when they get to Nilbog, but like it never feeds into anything. Another thing, talking about feeding, I always forget until I watch it that you have to keep in mind during this movie that all of our characters, except for the goblins, are starving. They are all <laughs> hungry because none of them were allowed to eat because Joshua pissed on the food that's evil and the guys in the caravan didn't think to bring any food because they're idiots and and subconsciously homosexuals for some reason, yet the film director doesn't know that. He just thinks, oh, what? They all sleep in bed, shirtless. Why would they want shirts? It's hot. But Well, to be fair, one of them got punched in the dick at one point. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But But... I always think it's really funny to remember that. Remember that throughout the entire movie, all, all of our characters are really hungry. Because yeah, you don't think about that with any other movie ever, right? You're not thinking about that when you watch a movie. But this movie makes such a point of it with the iconic, you know, piss on hot. You, can, you know, I went aloud and tightening my belt for hunger pains. That really sets in the mind that, oh, yeah, our characters are really hungry. And they keep constantly reminding you that they're not allowed to eat. And it's just so weird because I, I don't think I've ever experienced a movie that does this. And yet it's for no real payoff because it's not like it... If, like negatively impacts on our characters. It's not like someone faints at any point because they're so starved. Yeah, they just complain about it sometimes, especially the sister. The only one who's really struggling is the guy who goes jogging to go get some go to town. Yeah, he's starving and then he's jogging, but it's like, well, he's tired because he's just been jogging for like miles and miles. Yeah, <laughs> why didn't they just take the caravan into town? And this this point <laughs> vaguely relates to one of the things that's so funny about the dad. Yes. So there's. <laughs> First of all, the, the actor is very charismatic, I think. Um, He's very much the, this is who I cast as the American dad. Yeah. he uh, And there's a lot of, you don't really learn his backstory, but you hear a lot of things about him. Or like, there are lines said around him that like... You mean Grandpa Seth didn't like him? Grandpa Seth didn't like him. When he's taking Joshua up to his room, the mum says, don't hit him, Michael. Yeah. She's like, oh... <laughs> And then after, and then in the don't piss in hospitality, oh. I won't allow it thing, he points out how when he grew up, he had to struggle with hunger. Yeah. And he has, so when you do it, you know, I have more experience. And it's like, Jesus, what happened to you? <laughs> what was his, but the big thing is they don't have the right actor for that kind of guy, right? The actor you want to have is someone who looks like they could snap, mm. but he looks like what he is in real life, your friendly dentist who just really wants you to look after your teeth. Oh, are you saying? And he's really nice. He is not the guy you cast to be whatever this dad figure is supposed to be. The other line, you're saying that he doesn't fit the type of character who would chop off your little nuts and eat them? Yeah, that's also very funny. Like, when he confronts the boyfriend, he never actually confronts him in the way that you've been built up to. It's just like, you're going to get in or not? Yeah, because he, we're leaving. The film has this really bizarre logic with the boyfriend where uh, it's not just the fact that, like, he has to make some sort of moral choice in this film. There's, like, a moral between hanging out with your friends and spending time with your girlfriend. No. It's this thing of, like, you do this thing, I don't like you, I fundamentally don't like you, but if you make this decision... I will like you We now. can sweep that under the rug. And also... As the girlfriend says, when you make this decision, you are part of the family now? That's how it works in America. Like, again, 
I love that there's there's all of this stuff here of just this is a foreigner's interpretation of Americana. <laughs> and then they're shoving in their weird Italian horror into it as well because we got to talk about the oh my god scene. We've yep. got to talk about what was his character's name? Arnold. Arnold. He's great. He reminds me of if you brought Peter from the room. Peter is he the the psychologist? If you had Peter in the movie more, yeah. mm-hmm. he reminds me of Arnold because they're both the I wear glasses. I'm the nerdy one of the group, but they're also incredibly dumb and uncharacteristically macho in weird ways at random points. And then they just leave the movie or they're killed off or they're just kind of gone. And you went, why do we even spend time with them? It's funny that I was thinking about this just a few hours ago after watching the film that like, there's the group of four friends. Yeah. There's Elliot, who's the main one. And then there's the other three. Yeah. 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 Who Who all die. Right. Well, one of them doesn't, Ryan. Oh. <laughs> one of them just has too much popcorn. Well, you assume he's dead. When he spits out popcorn and says, no more for me, and then we never see him again. Yeah, but you assume because she's evil and she's gone there to do evil things, you assume you would assume that he's died, but you don't see him dead. You would assume, but you know what they say about assuming, Ryan. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I won't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> you're tightening your assumption by one knuckle. Um, yeah, by one belt loop. One belt loop. So there's the four friends, there's the main one, except the f- for the fact that the other three all kind of have, like, a little adventure of their own and the main one doesn't really well his adventure is he needs to get in that car or else he's gonna get in trouble <laughs> that's his adventure it's, it's get in the car that's his adventure <laughs> but, but back to arnold he's the one that you look at him you look at him and you go you don't match this group of friends like he doesn't match them right and they give him a weird characterization before we get to the oh my god scene which is I think Arnold has some serious issues. He's very angry and very narcissistic and weird. Like, as a character. And I don't know if it's just a performance or what, but there's this moment that I love so much. We all want to go to the Oh My God scene because that's his pinnacle. That's his peak. But my favorite bit with him is when he decides... He's found this woman who's running through the woods and she's Obviously covered scared. in green and yeah. she's scared and she's talking about that they made me drink some and I'm going to die and they're going to eat me and there they are. Oh my God, they're going to eat me. Run away. And he decides very nonchalantly not to even be that worried that there's random creatures and negotiate and or demand things of yeah, them. Yeah, or try to be like an alpha to them, like walking through their group. But just looking at him, you just... It's just such a... You could tell that they wanted a footballer type, but they got this, this accountant type. I never thought of that. You're right. They wanted... They, they wanted... They wanted the big, broad-shouldered, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, dumb American boy, but they got someone who looks like my accountant. They got, the, they got I think, the shortest named male character in the film. Yeah. He's definitely the shortest, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Just him trying to negotiate with him like he's fucking Saul Goodman or something. And then he just gets a spear. And I just love the simplicity of that. Just just, just imagining that that actually could have been really funny if this was played in one of those Friday the 13th movies, right? Where you have like a bully character or you have like the smart guy character try to be like reason with the thing and then just get slacked. Just like, just get speared or attacked. And that's kind of funny. But they don't want to play it as funny in that moment. Like, that's not supposed to be funny. Even though the goblins are, like, looking at each other like, what is this? 
And then when they spear him, it's supposed to be like, oh, fuck, no. It's like, no, it's really funny because this guy's an idiot and I don't like him because he's a weirdo. <laughs> and then he gets taken to, then, you know, well, then he well, wanders right, when, off. When you, when you chase girls, you stop the chase by tackling them, right? Of course. Yeah. Well, duh. She's in the woods and I want to get my virginal teens and deflower <laughs> them or have them deflower me. Ah! That's me being deflowered. Yeah. Uh, they go to the church, with the, which they keep describing as a house. And then that one point that someone thankfully says, the house that looks like an old church. Yeah, right, yeah. Is it yeah. not an old church or does it just look like The trivia one? literally says that it was an old church that's been repurposed into like a little set for the movie. And we meet the worst actor in the movie, the witch. <laughs> uh, what's that? Credence Leonora Gilgood? Gilgood. She's terrible. Like, no, 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 like on the level everyone else is. She is objectively not fun because she's trying to be campy none of the others are trying to be campy like she seems either self-aware or she's playing it like a pantomime Mm. no one else is playing it like that and that's what i like about the movie is everyone else is trying to work with the material and try to be real even if they suck but she, it feels like either she's aware or she's like, this is silly and playing it silly. And in a good, bad movie, when you have the person who's mugging and being aware that this is silly can sometimes work, but most of the time it doesn't. And that's when you get things like when Tommy was so made his TV show and it's like, you can't watch it. It's incomprehensible because he's trying, he's embracing the stupidness. And same with Birdemic 2, right? There's just no enjoyment when the sincerity is stripped away in these things. And that's what I don't like about her is it just feels like she's aware in some way, shape or form, and she's just playing it to the back and it's just not fun. It isn't fun. No, but um, you can definitely see that. Like, obviously the Italians went with the take. So obviously they saw something in her performance. She moved her face a lot. Too much. Too much. <laughs> yeah, all of all of her lines were just very slowly delivered. Every syllable. And hand gestures and eyebrow movements, and it's a lot. She's yeah. too much. Like, too much for, even for this she's, movie. She's definitely the most mystical character in the film, but yeah, she slows the pace a bit. She's probably my least favourite aspect of the movie in, in, in my enjoyment factor of it. It does seem like she is a popular part of the film, but I've always... Well, yeah. it's because she's in the Oh My God scene. That's the real reason. If she's not in that scene, would she be as popular as she is? I don't think so. It's because she's in the most famous scene in the entire movie, which is the girl gets turned into green goop, and then she starts getting eaten, and we get the voiceover of him explaining what's happening and how he hopes it doesn't happen to him, which is another (laughs) great little detail. And then... I like the whole, uh, you know, there must be a logical explanation for this. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And... Then we get the iconic series of cuts in which it finally goes on to him. What makes the Oh My God scene great is, and we don't even need to explain it, because I'm probably going to play the clip at the beginning of the episode. We all know the Oh My God scene. You uploaded half of the clip once. Yes, yes, yes. When we did the Shaggy Dog, where I uploaded half of it in reference to that, because there was a really bad Oh My God in that movie that reminded me of this. Oh my God, it's a trap. (laughs) Oh my God, it's a trap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, what what to me... What makes the Oh My God work outside of the obvious of his very dry delivery of it is 
you get these random cuts leading up to it, and then the abrupt cut, continuity-wise, where it's on his face, and you could tell it's been shot at a different time, there's a fly on his fucking head. <laughs> like, that's what really amuses me, is the shots leading up to it, uh, uh, propelling you towards something, and then once you actually get to the thing, it's off. Not just his delivery of the line, but when you actually physically see, cut, 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 here it is, it's not matching it the feels, other cuts. It feels like if you had the full shot as it was filmed, they'd be like, okay, now. They'd, yeah. They'd be like, oh my god. It was four seconds long. So what was, so so how did your life improve after you saw the oh my god? <laughs> it was definitely something that when I walked into the film, I knew about. Because I feel like if you're going to know anything, it's going to be that. Yes. Um, I was reading online about the, the thing a couple of hours ago. And someone was like, it's actually oh my gosh. No. I listened to it very closely on the YouTube, and I can't tell if it's, like, poor sound quality or not, but, like... Oh, you want to talk about poor sound quality? We haven't talked about my actual favourite quote. I retract my favourite quote. Um, my actual favourite quote is, Grandpa Seth, go back to hell. The <laughs> whole thing about sending, I know that's... sending him back to hell. I remember that was one of the lines you always brought up, so... And I Grandpa Seth's it. like, I'm not going back there. But that guy, that character's line, like, one or two lines before that... Is the shadow realm. Yeah, go, go back to the realm of shadows or something Which is like that. hell, I guess. And it's, it just... And it's like, so even, weird. And I always thought, like, oh, yeah, Grandpa said, like, there was that one line at the end that kind of, like, changes everything. But then watching throughout the film, you know, he's got these weird powers. Yeah. He, the, the guy mentions going back to hell and the sh and the realm of shadows and that kind of thing. So it's like, and why I mentioned bad sound mixing is because Grandpa Seth gives an explanation of what's happening there, but you can't hear him because there's all of this noise happening in the scene. But what you can hear is, I learned this trick from someone I met in hell, and then he shoots a lightning yeah, yeah, bolt. Yeah, yeah, he says something like and that. And what the fuck is going on with Grandpa Seth? Like, why is why did he go to hell? And if not, why does he know someone who went to hell? What's the realm of shadows or the shadow realm? What is this? Is this Yu-Gi-Oh now? Like, I don't know what's going on with him. And I love that. And I love that, to be honest... The sound in the movie isn't terrible, like, dialogue-wise. You can understand them. It's not as overtly bad dubbing-wise like other ones. Like, the room is much more noticeably the, the dubbed. The worst is that about a third of Credence's lines are just too quiet for the music and sounds happening at the um, same time. That's what I was going to say. The music is too loud for all of it. Yeah. Like, the beginning, if you think, oh, i got my sound system on, right? If you just play the movie, and it, like we said, the movie just kicks in, the music just kicks in, and it makes you fall back, like, oh, fuck. Like, that's how my experience a was. Lot, yeah, a lot of the times when the music starts, it's very sudden, especially for the dramatic horror scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, oh, there's a goblin in the room. <laughs> there's a goblin. Another favorite of mine. It fills me with so much joy because I think about this the is This is the film where it's like another favorite. Uh, the favorite uh, is when Joshua is watching them from up above and he's watching their sermon going on and the skateboard falls down and immediately the hand <laughs> grabs his face and shakes that kid's head so violently and it's amazing because I just can imagine the Italian director sitting there with a big fat cigarette in his mouth just going just telling someone like shake the kid's head 
shake his fucking head. Harder, harder. Like, I can imagine the cynicism of uh, uh, coming from him. I wish they didn't cut away from that and just, like, show us what happened next. Like, did he, like, pull him through the hole or something? I love when you think about that with these type of movies. It's like, what happens if that shot continued? What What's the yeah. conclusion of that he's not, shot? He's not wide enough to fit through the hole. So, like, did he grab his face, then let go, then get up and grab The him, most or? obvious thing is he just punches through the wood because it's so weak and then just pull him down. Well, probably. the goblins look pretty muscly. They could handle it. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, what else do you want to mention about the the, the actual film? Because we, we should talk about some of the behind the scenes a little bit because we yes. have seen some stuff. But anything about the, inside the actual film, any other highlights or the end we can talk about? Oh, man, just like... it's The whole I, movie's The perfect. whole movie is just great. There was just so many lines where joshua is like putting a lot of effort into it like I've, al- I've already yeah and even in the documentary jesus um like i've already mentioned like see it wasn't me this time but he also had like ones where he, he's like command this is at the point in the film where um he's kind of taking control of the situations he's like telling his family to concentrate harder <laughs> and like his whole thing of like oh when the sister suggests a seance and the camera like zooms in and says, "You're a genius." But, but, but most importantly, here's how that scene plays out. You you say the line, "I want to do a séance." Well, how do we talk to him with a séance? Sister, you're a genius. See, there's this, this, yeah. this amount of silence that just sits there, and you're like, "Okay, where are we going with this?" With a funny zoom. Usually, in. <laughs> usually it would just be sermon. Why, you're a genius. Yeah. See how quick that was? But in this, they needed the time yeah. so the camera could zoom in on his fucking little and, face. And and that pause, like, seems to imply that, like... He's thinking se- about it. Yeah, like, that... That Oh, no, no, the, the concept of a seance has existed in the world of this film, and that's, like, a callback. It's like a Chekhov's gun being, you know, fulfilled. But no, seances have never been mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, I... I just love Grandpa Seth as a concept just randomly shoved into this movie. We gotta talk about we gotta talk about the end. At the end the mother just dies and she gets turned into slime, but 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 all of the other characters' reasons for why they aren't staying is amazing. The dad's just like, I gotta go to the office. Like he's still starving he's by the way. Pass by, yeah, pass by the office. They're all still starving. Mm-hmm. Um, the boyfriend and the sister are like, oh, I just gotta go home. She's like, I could go with him. It's like, ah, oh, you, you guys, you can just stay here. And he's like, all right. Yeah, the mum's like, then we'll wait for you inside. I just love that. It's just like it's just so that Joshua could be there at the end by himself, and then he's like, "They're eating my mom." In his in his well uh well set designed bedroom. Oh oh, another thing that we got to mention is he calls them mummy and daddy throughout the whole entire movie, and because this movie already has a slight sexual streak in it, there's just something very uncomfortable about the the little boy constantly saying daddy in that kitty voice that's very <laughs> odd but one of the reviews i watched back in the day i can't remember what one it was but they always they would narrate over the video uh footage of it and but every time the mum would come on screen they would do his voice and go mommy <laughs> it was always very funny but i never had that but i do remember i always remember like um 
the morning after the oh, that's sexual the morning the morning after he gets grounded no, no it isn't the morning after isn't sexual <laughs> the morning after you know Pill, he's been yeah. grounded and and they're in the kitchen and they're realizing there's not much food he joshua comes down and he wants to put his arm around his dad yeah i know but right he's, but he's too high up so he has to like <laughs> climb up climb up put it around it's so crazy because uh, before we even skip to the end of course the kid the only logical option is piss on the food, which <laughs> which is fucking crazy because I wish we got to see that scene play out. That's one of those uh, comedy cuts where it's like zip pants cut to food being put in the pan. And then when he gets put on, when he gets thrown onto the bed, it's like, you can't piss on us, I won't allow it. And it looks like he's going to piss on He's him. just said the word piss. He's adjusting his belt. And when the kid asks, what are you going to do to me, daddy? Okay, okay, that one. That one I can be with you on, like the sexual thing, but it's also like, oh my god, is he gonna pee on him? But then, then the dad has the whole thing about tightening his belt by one loop, and his family is the same, and he struggled with hunger, and it's like, did you know that it looked like he was unzipping his pants? I wish, I wish he pissed on him. It would have been better. And apparently that wasn't even in the script. Oh, the whole no. pissing thing. No, was... no, of course it wasn't. They, it's weird because they, they objected as filmmakers to letting them improvise. But then some of the best moments is when they've improvised. Like the daughter's dance. It's just her improvising because she's a da- she had a cheerleading background. And I love that dance because we never understand what the fuck's going on there. It's like, we know that her characters are fitness like freak that's what they've yeah. set up but they never set up that she's a dance thing right it would make more sense if they set up like oh i'm, I'm all about dance like would it be cool if she's always listening to music like but no they always just just out of nowhere it's just here's a scene every, of the daughter dancing now because time, she felt like it yeah every time i watch that scene i always forget like oh what, what, what happens immediately after this dance again yeah and it's just her like looking in the mirror and like practicing what she was going to tell Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the end is very bleak for what is an otherwise nice movie. Like, it's it's one that I've always struggled with because I, I love this movie. And like I said, the witch character is my only downside of it. But I always struggle with if I hate the ending or I love it because it's so uncharacteristically mean-spirited. Yeah, it feels... Out of nowhere. Le- like, it is... It makes sense, right? I can understand. Like, it doesn't. Yeah, it's, but, it's the whole 80s slasher thing. Like, oh, the killer is still alive, and the film ends with one more death. But it's just so nihilistically mean. Like, they just eat his mother, and they just... It's, 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 it's his screaming face as the credits, and you're like, what the fuck? And it's, it's to the point, it's like, what was I supposed to gain from any of it? Like, like, let's take it sincerely, right? Let's remove the it's so funny, it's bad kind of thing. You're watching this movie. He's defeated the villains. He he outsmarted them. He listened to his old grandpa, Seth. He believed in himself. All this. He managed to save his family who didn't believe in him. And, and the, then his and mother the way- gets killed, who, out of all the family members, she was the one who wasn't the one who chastised him the most. Like, she was the one who was the nicest yeah, to don't him. Don't hit him, Michael. Yeah, don't. And also, sing that song that always makes you feel better. You know, the copyright <laughs> Sing free... that song I like. Row, 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 row. Just sing. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so... I always struggle with it, because it's like... Yes, this is a funny movie, but it's just so fucking weirdly dark and for what the... is a kind of family horror movie like you know you got the kids and you got the, like you know this isn't like and the those con- slasher yeah, and, movies and yeah and the consequences of the climax which was that 
seemingly all the goblins got defeated and are gone. Mm-hmm. No, the the four that were meant to come to the house apparently are there. there and... But they, they ruined that because that could have actually worked if they didn't reveal that they actually stayed in the town. They reveal that in the movie. Like, yeah. hey, what are you guys still doing here? And that actor, the guy's like, car problems, we're gonna... St-. They set up that those guys were in the town. If they didn't set that up, if they left it like they actually were there, at the end, that actually would work. Yeah. But they set up that they they weren't. They never went there. But somehow they did go there. And they poisoned the apples that they owned because they were those apples. We saw them at the beginning of the movie in the fridge. But, like, I don't know. It like It is funny, though, because mm. you have the goblin being like, you want some Joshua? And the mouth not moving right. And it's just like smearing it in their in the masks. And it's just funny. And the kid, the kid's acting. Oh no, they're eating my mommy. <laughs> and I remember in, in Best Worst Movie, the the actress that played the mom was like, that scream like sent chills down my spine. It was like the the ultimate like movie scream for her. I I understand. It's a good scream. It's, Give it's, it. And it's for her character. Isn't it weird to you? We always think, like, at the end, you you imagine in your brain, oh, yeah, it's just green goo on the table and they're eating it and there's some fingers in there. That's kind of gruesome. But do you ever remember in your brain that the the torso just has some big titties on it for no reason? Because <laughs> I always forget I always until forget I see that it. I always forget too, yeah. It's always just very funny to me. That's like, they're also, eating my mom! And, and they're al- just some tits. It's, yeah, it's also because I mainly remember that, like, he goes to the shower and he sees all the green. Yeah. And it, and it always makes me think, like, oh, yeah, that's the leftovers. No. And then when she goes downstairs, there's, like, a body of food there. Yeah, it's like she was in the shower and she was sweating it out. Like, oh, my God. And then probably yeah. ran downstairs naked and then just died there and they're eating her titties. It's... It, it, Troll 2 is a is a wonderful mess. What makes it wonderful is the behind the scenes. There's a great documentary that we've kind of t- uh, mentioned briefly, but what is the documentary? We won't talk too much about the documentary because that's its own thing you should watch, but oh, yeah, just yeah. briefly mention it for those who don't know. So I believe it's associated to the year 2008. It's called Best Worst Movie, mm. and it is a documentary about the cult phenomena that is the Troll 2 movie and, you know, that it's a cult classic. And it is directed by uh, Michael Stevenson, who played Joshua in the film. He's now an adult, 18 years down the line. And yeah, it's exploring, like, why people love Troll 2 so much. It features a lot, a lot, a lot of the returning, of the cast from the film. Even the director. Even the director, and the crew too, yeah. It's got the director, it's got his wife. I think like the only major one that it was missing was Credence. Yeah, which is which is crazy because I read the trivia this morning as well, and it has so much trivia about that actress. And I was like, well, where was she in this documentary? That was one I was bummed about because I wanted to hear her excuse. Yeah, yeah, and- that's what I wanted. No, 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 no. I didn't want to hear her story. I wanted to hear her excuse for what that performance yeah. was. One of the memorable people that we hear from in the film is a character that we haven't mentioned yet: the general store owner, <sighs> Milk. <laughs> 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 That's the devil. and of course, of course, there's no coffee here. It's the devil's drink. <laughs> Egg. We love tourists in Nilbog. Egg. <laughs> but, but, He's clearly vegan. But but the vegetarians, I don't know, yeah. but they're vegans. But but the documentary is great. It gives some wonderful insights. You say it's like this. What it really is to me, the documentary is a character study on all of the people, but mainly the dad, the yeah, guy who played the George dad. Hardy. It's kind of like this character study about, to me, 
about how people cling on to their 15 minutes of fame and yeah. just cling and cling and cling to it. Because it's kind of like a sad character study about how, to me, how kind of pathetic he is as a guy. Because he's just holding on to this. He's just holding on so tight. Yeah, as the film goes on. And it's kind of sad. He's like really enthusiastic early on, but as it goes on, it kind of like he kind of sort of tires on the whole thing. And it kind of shows you that as much as we enjoy this, right? These are real people who were just doing what they were told. And it's always funny to make fun of these funny performances. But what was great about the documentary, and again, what I like about the Troll 2 is there is answers. There is, there is an actual context that we can find. And it actually shows you that this was a really bad thing for a lot of people. And not just in the obvious, oh, how embarrassing it is, but like with the dad, right? Mm. He... he, he in that the way the documentary shows and when I got it, he is just this sad affair in which he has to just trot himself out and quote the lines over and over and over again. And it's like yeah, and I to them it was just a like a couple of weeks of filming and then they would never think about it again. Or if they did, it was like a little funny thing. But now it's spiraled out into this and there's these major consequences to all of these people's lives in many negative ways. For some it was a positive, like the the general store owner guy, he looks back on this with a kind of optimistic thing because he was in a real fucked up place in his life and it was like th- that performance wasn't a perf- performance it was just him and what crazy state he was in but now he's better and he looks back on a on it positively but the he's... sister is the one i mainly remember yeah she was like actually really wanted to be an actress yeah and, then, and it killed her career and then she did the film and she just realized oh my god i I can't. I can't. Yeah, this is the film didn't give her anything and, and made her lose confidence. And the mother, you know, she's living this weird, sad life, and a part of it is because of the troll two thing. Because people want to hunt her down and know everything, and she's like, I, I, I just got family issues going on. Can I just be left alone? I don't want anything to do with this. And although that's a sad aspect, it gives me a finer appreciation for this movie because we look at them and objectively go, ha ha, crazy people made a movie and they were unaware. These people were aware. The only person who wasn't aware was the director. Like, I even think his wife was aware. When we get interviews with his wife, she seems pretty aware that it's funny. But he doesn't. And that's what I really like about this whole thing. Is Like, I love the director. Because mm. I, I would be him. I actually relate to him. Because to him, he was like, I made this movie. And, oh, it's actually got success? Oh, that's great. Like, I didn't think, like, I haven't heard anything about it in, like, a decade or so. Um, since I made it, or two decades yeah, and even. He's, and he's still, like, completely backing up all the decisions he made when he made the film. Yeah. he's there. There's a couple of moments in the documentary where, like, they have arguments about, like, this didn't make sense. Like, when the preacher guy was on fire, yeah. the dad ran out of the house, was shocked, turned 90 degrees to his right to pick up a fire extinguisher that he realistically would not know was there. Yeah. And then use it to light up the... Uh, to extinguish the fire. And in the documentary, you actually have a scene where george hardy approaches claudio fagasa the director and says like you know that didn't make sense like we we should have done something else and the director's like nope nope that is the way it had to be or something yeah like yeah and i love him because he is just so blunt force like an ignorant director not in the way tommy was so is where tommy feels like oh i'm just making a film with my friends and i just don't know i'm an innocent like that's his persona but this guy it's very upfront that he's just this old fucking italian guy who just makes movies fast and quick and he just wants them done and i i appreciate the honesty of that and then him realizing that this was a joke 
Like, everyone thinks of this as a joke, and that it actually hurts his feelings. Like, he goes immediately to rage, but there's this moment where you see him, they have a shot of him, and he's looking around, and he's realizing that they're laughing at his film, not with it. Like, there's moments where it's supposed to be funny. Like we said, the popcorn scene is evidently supposed to be funny. Mm. But just seeing that actually happen we never we've never seen that with tommy was so right we never saw the moment in which tommy realized people were actually laughing at his movie not with it yeah and to actually see the moment in which one of these filmmakers actually experiences that for the first time is is forever magical to me because we never get that with any of these movies and we never will probably yeah the, the i think the best we could hope for with the room is like the disaster artist book yeah yeah and that's just an account of one person in the thing commenting about how he didn't like Tommy very much, but also loves him. But do you agree? Like, uh, I don't know. I always think of Troll 2 and I'm just like, I'm glad that there's one of these that I have a full picture to look at or a very full picture, at least a very big picture. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to check out Troll 2, do yourself a favor and, you know, just watch Best Worst Movie, read up what you can about it, because there's a lot of... Well, like you said, not even just a lot. There's just everything available for you to learn. Yeah, pretty much. And there's still stuff like I want to know what Credence was all about. I want to know that actress. That is true. Yeah. I want her to. I want her to answer for her crimes. <laughs> but yeah, this is Troll Two, uh, the sequel to This Is England. This is Troll Two. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said it like that's the title. This is Troll Two. Um, that was Troll Two. Uh, would you recommend it? Yes, I would definitely recommend it. I would more strongly recommend watching it in a group. Mm. Maybe you just I when I watched it the first time, it didn't work for me. Maybe it was, that's not the case for everyone, but definitely watch it with a group. You know, like chat with people while you're watching it, like explore mm. how you're feeling about it, what you're finding funny. It's like what was that? Just it is a fun experience to to watch oh yeah i definitely recommend watching this this is definitely in my top tier list this is this trumps the room for me in many ways although the room it's a classic but this troll 2 it's a it's a fun time it's paced really well it flies by and all of the lines all of them are all weird yeah all there's just weird but again it's not like neil breen where it's impenetrable like you can you can get into the movie's rhythm neil breen's one ones are like truly made by an alien and i love that about them but neil breen's one that i like it's very hard to say i recommend but but this easy easy recommendation i like the trivia point that apparently in this film they got their scripts scene by scene and yeah. obviously it wasn't filmed chronologically so there was no context for what was going on no so the actors just had these words and they had to <laughs> they had these words and they had a director that didn't speak english that had to rely on and a costume designer who i don't think was italian no I, just so much just a nerd out for a second i love star trek there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager in which they encounter an alien society that's never encountered singing before. Okay. They have no understanding of it. It's completely unknown to them. And the Doctor, who's a hologram, uh, he sings opera. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the actor can do that. He's an operatic singer and, he, you know, a cappella as well. And they fall in love with him and he becomes a sensation and they want to worship him and they want him to stay there to teach them about music. And it's uh, this really complex thing in which he's like, should I stay to do this? 
But then, because these are technologically advanced aliens, they aren't like caveman aliens, they just decide, oh, well, you know, the Doctor, he hasn't made up his mind. We will just make our own version of him. And they make a version of him, and he just does the notes, but there's no nuance to it. It's just, oh, it's, there's, right. no, there's no... There's no heart, I There's guess. no yeah. soul. There's no true understanding of the art form. It's not a performance. It's just... Yeah. And that's Troll 2. <laughs> <laughs> With words, right? Because we know what the words are, but it's just, it's just none of it... It's just there. It's, it is like... It is just window dressing to the movie. Like, for the filmmakers, it was just window dressing. Like, yeah, you say it like, oh, but they're like, but the people, like us English speakers, we're like, no, no, it would be ah. And they're like, no, no, oh. Like, it, they don't understand. It reminds me of that. Like, in Star Trek Voyager, there's just that weird little moment. of like, that's that's the Italian filmmaker. That's a whole planet of him with this. So, yeah, re- recently, um, yeah, we, we also love this one film called Love on a Leash. And... <sighs> The That's ma- amazing. Yeah, thing. and the main guy on the internet who's reviewed it, Ralph the Movie Maker, recently had an interview with the with the, the, voice, the voice of the dog, the voice actor of the main character when they are in dog form, and that interview is sort of, I guess, that movie's equivalent to Best Worst Movie or The Disaster Artist. And w- weren't a lot of the stories about the woman behind that film kind of similar to Claudia Fugasa? Like, she was insisting on things being a certain way? Yes, and she was a, a weird foreigner who had an understanding of American values. But unlike unlike Troll 2, she was bringing in Chinese values and Chinese understanding. Yeah. While the Italians, they're not trying to bring in Italian stuff in here, really. Like, sure, you could have Italian horror imagery with the ghoulishness and the giallo-type imagery, but they're not trying to bring that in here. They're, this is pure. This is what America is. Yeah, I just realized we watched, we've watched that film twice. The second time, we watched part of it with a Chinese guy who was actually noticing Chinese stuff. There, exactly. Yeah. So, Bartek, it is my recommendation. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to this. We're going on a fun road for this one. Mm-hmm. You chose a foreign film that wasn't really a foreign film, but it was, but it wasn't. I'm choosing a foreign film. I'm choosing one that uh, takes an iconic genre of the West Mm -hmm. and interprets it and redefines it and does it in its own style. We are finally... I wonder which one it is. We are finally doing Lemonade Joe. Yes! Lemonade Joe. What was the former Czechoslovakia, um, (laughs) what was is a Czech film or Czechoslovakian film from the late 1960s, I do believe. Uh, or mid-1960s, I can't was remember. 64? Six, I, I think it was 64 mid-60s. Six, mid-60s. Mid, mid Lemonade Joe. It is, yes, a Czechoslovakian film. So this will be one with subtitles. We're watching it with subs. Mm-hmm. It, uh, we, we know how Ryan feels about 60s films. Oh, yes. And uh, it is a Western. It is a Czechoslovakian Western. So expect to have some interesting things with that. Uh, the film is actually quite easily available now. You can watch it on YouTube, apparently. Mm. There is a copy of this film on Amazon Prime, oh, but okay. I say steer clear because it is a bad transfer with very lackluster subtitles. Okay. Uh, so there's a version of YouTube you can watch, and or if you're struggling with that, I'm not saying that this is a film that is surprisingly easy to find on sites in which you shouldn't be downloading things from, wink, wink. But it is, but it isn't. So, you know, just saying that is an option too. But obviously don't do that. That's wrong. 
but it is there. You're just giving facts because you're a smart guy. You know facts. I'm giving facts. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Lemonade Joe will be our topic of conversation for next episode. Prepare yourself for a crazy ride. Uh, maybe even some history will be learned because... This is made in the 1960s Czechoslovakia under the rule of the USSR. Mm. And it's trying to be an American Western. And it's actually trying to be funny. Unlike Troll 2, this one is actually a comedy. One might say they succeed at being funny. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So until then, listening people, you can find us on all those social on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com to let us know your thoughts, opinions, questions, and concerns, and even recommendations for future movies. Yes. All of that's in the description of the episode. Uh, feel free to rate and review us on whatever podcatcher allows it give us a five out of five or an oh my god uh, or if you're one of those people and oh my gosh oh my gosh if you're oh my gosh gate oh my gosh gate uh so bartek the only way to end this episode now i think is grab the pot <laughs> and drag me out <laughs> No, my back, I can't. Oh, okay. Bending. All right, I'll just hold this mug here awkwardly in my hand yeah. for an extended period of time until it gets sore. Yeah, and I'm going to go to the toilet and stop my family from eating. Remember, never ever eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback to like five years. By the way, we've had our fifth year anniversary last month. I know, we were too busy celebrating horror. 